Hey y'all, welcome back. We're going to continue on in Job chapter 3. And here in Job chapter 3, the friends have been sitting with Job for seven days and seven nights and haven't said anything. They've just been there with him. And now Job's going to speak out. In verse 1, it says, At last Job spoke, and he cursed the day of his birth. He said, Let the day of my birth be erased, and the night I was conceived. Let that day be turned to darkness. Let it be lost even to God on high, and let no light shine on it. Let the darkness and utter gloom claim that day for its own. Let a black cloud overshadow it, and let the darkness terrify it. Let that night be blotted off the calendar. Never again be counted among the days of the year. Never again to appear among the months. Let that night be childless. Let it have no joy. Let those who were experts at cursing, whose cursing could rouse Leviathan, curse that day. Leviathan was a sea monster. Let its morning stars remain dark. Let its hope for light, but not in vain. May it never see the morning light. Curse that day for failing to shut my mother's womb, for letting me be born to see all this trouble. Why wasn't I born dead? Why didn't I die as I came from the womb? Why was I laid on my mother's lap? Why did she nurse me at her breasts? Had I died at birth, I would now be at peace. I would be asleep and at rest. I would rest with the world's kings and prime ministers, whose great buildings now lie in ruins. I would rest with princes, rich in gold, whose palaces were filled with silver. Why wasn't I buried like a stillborn child, like a baby who never lived to see the light? For in death the wicked cause no trouble, and the weary are at rest. Even captives are at ease in death, with no guards to curse them. Rich and poor are both there, and the slave is free from his master. Oh, why give light to those in misery? and life to those who are bitter. They long for death, and it won't come. They search for death more me eagerly than for hidden treasure. They're filled with joy when they finally die, and rejoice when they find, find the grave. Why is life given to those with no future, those God has surrounded with difficulties? I cannot eat for sighing. My groans pour out like water. What I always feared has happened to me, what I dreaded has come true. I have no peace, no quietness, I have no rest, only trouble comes. So clearly Job is being very, very tormented. He is extremely depressed, in agonizing pain, and he's crying out that he wishes he was never born. He He's just suffering so immensely at this point, and he's getting depressed, and we can see that and we can see that honesty and that transparency as he's sharing what he truly feels. This is his true emotions at the point at this point. And we're gonna take a journey through his emotional roller coaster as he goes through these up and downs because he is clearly suffering. He is in agony and in desperate pain. And we've we've experienced these things. We experience these things in life, and it's just it is it is it's nice to read this in the Bible that people experienced this even back then, this agonizing pain and torment. And he's clearly, clearly um, struggling here. So let's go on to chapter four. 
so now one his friends have been sitting quietly with him just being there with him and now one of his friends is going to respond and though they do have little sprinkles of truth in what they're saying a lot of what they say is is just not sounded in in good good advice to be giving to job and we'll see that here in verse one we're going to go to eliphaz he's going to respond to job so then Eliphaz the Tamanite replied to Job, Will you be patient and let me say a word? For who could keep from speaking out? In the past you have encouraged many people. You have strengthened those who are weak. So here he's, he's saying that Job is a good character. He was an encourager and he his friend is, is literally proving Job's character here in his opening words. And Job is struggling. So you... You would hope that your friends would encourage you and try to like steer you in the right direction and give you hope and, and encouragement. Um, let's go on to verse 4 and see what he, he says. Your words have supported those who were falling. You encourage those with shaky needs. But now, when trouble strikes, you lose heart. You are terrified when it touches you. Doesn't your reverence for God give you confidence? Doesn't your life of integrity give you hope? And those are both good statements. That's that's true and accurate. Like we do have hope in God and we do have reverence for God. In verse 7, it kind of turns down from there. In verse 7, stop and think. Do the innocent die? When have the upright been destroyed? My experience shows that those who plant trouble and cultivate evil will harvest the same. A breath from God destroys them. They vanish in a blast of his anger. The lion roars with the wild cat and the wild cat snarls, but the teeth of the strong lions will be broken. The fierce lion will starve for lack of prey, and the clubs, cubs of the lioness will be scattered. This truth was given to me in secret as though whispered in my ear. It came to me in a disturbing vision at night when people are in deep sleep. Fear gripped me, and my bones trembled. A spirit swept past my face, and my hair stood on end. The spirit stopped, but I couldn't see its shape. There was a form before my eyes. In the silence, I heard a voice say, Can a mortal be innocent before God? Can anyone be pure before the Creator? If God does not trust his own angels and has charged his messengers with foolishness, how much less will he trust people made of clay? They are made of dust, crushed as easily as a moth. They are alive in the morning, but dead by the evening, gone forever without a trace. Their tent cords are pulled, and the tent collapses, and they die in ignorance. So he started out all right, and then when he said that those who plant and cultivate evil will harvest the same. Well, that's not always true. Sometimes bad things happen to good people, and we all know that. that that's that's true. We've all seen that. We've all experienced that. Um, and when he says, a spirit swept by my face and I heard a vision, we know Satan is behind this attack. God is in control and God's limiting it, but we know that Satan's behind it. So you have to question who is talking to this friend at this point to give this bad advice that truly you must be bad if this bad thing is happening to you because we know that Job is not a bad guy he is facing this infliction but he's a good guy and we know that because we've had that that background um 
And he doesn't give very encouraging advice to this friend. He's definitely not uplifting Job and encouraging him at this point. He's kind of calling him evil. In chapter 5, we'll go on. He's continuing his response here. In chapter 5, verse 1, Cry for help, but will anyone answer you? Which of the angels will help you? Surely resentment destroys the fool and jealousy kills the simple. I have seen that fools may be successful for the moment, but then comes sudden disaster. Their children are abandoned far from help, and they are crushed in court with no one to defend them. The hungry devour their harvest, even when it is guarded by brambles. The thirst pants after their wealth, but evil does not spring from the soil, and trouble does not sprout from the earth. People are born for trouble, as readily as sparks fly up from the fire. If I were you, I would go to God and present my case to him. That's that's good sound advice there. Finally, we have a good thing. Yes, go to God. Whenever we're struggling, we should go to God. Verse 9. He does great things, too marvelous to understand. He performs countless miracles. He gives rain for the earth and water for the fields. He gives prosperity to the poor and protects those who suffer. He frustrates the plans of schemers, so the work of their hands will not succeed. He traps the wise in their own cleverness, so their cunning schemes are thwarted. They find it is dark in the daytime, and they grope at noon as if it were night. He rescues the poor from the cutting words of the strong, and rescues them from the clutches of the powerful. And so at last the poor have hope, and the snapping jaws of the wicked are shut. So that is good, encouraging truth. He finally spoke some good, encouraging truth here for his friend Job. Then in verse 17, But consider the joy of those corrected by God. Do not despise the discipline of the Almighty when you sin. For though he wounds, he also bandages. He strikes, but his hands also heal. From six disasters, he will rescue you. Even in the seventh, he will keep you from evil. He will save you from death in time of famine, from the power of the sword in time of war. You will be safe from slander and have no fear when destruction comes. You will laugh at destruction and famine. Wild animals will not terrify you. You will be at peace with the stones of the field, and its animals will be at peace with you. You will know that your home is safe. You will, When you survey your possessions, nothing will be missing. You will have many children. Your descendants will be as plentiful as grass. You will go to the grave at a ripe old age, like a sheaf of grain harvested at the proper time. We have studied life and found all this to be true. Listen to my counsel and apply it to yourself. So he started out with some good truth, and then again he is assuming that Job's guilty of sin. Um, just like we, we tend to often prejudge others and assume things on other people. And it's so easy to fall into, but it's so wrong. It is so, so wrong. Job is obviously innocent. He is, he is innocent and pure before God. And yeah, I'm sure he has sin, but he works every day to sac. He made daily sacrifices to God to atone for any sin he might have. Like he really respects and loves God with all his, his heart. Um, and, and his friend here is definitely sticking with the theme that when you do good, you're rewarded. And if you do bad, you're punished. And there's no in between. 
he sees no gray lines here. He's very black and white about it. But we know that, that God's not black and white, and we know that life isn't black and white. And like this, we know that we shouldn't assume things when we don't really know the truth. And that's basically what his friend is doing here, is assuming that Job sinned and he deserves this. And that's not what Job needs to be encouraged. He needs to be encouraged and, and given some hope to keep going because he's struggling so deeply at this point. So we'll go ahead and stop there and then we'll continue tomorrow in chapter 6 and see how Job responds to this friend. I hope you all are having a great day.